0: Do you think Biden will be the Democratic nominee? Honestly, I go back and forth, because as an incumbent president, unless he's willing to step aside,
1: I don't think they can get him out of there. On the other hand, I'm fully prepared uh, to have a Florida-California showdown and let the people choose
0: what's the better vision for the United States of America, because I'm very confident that the freedom in florida is what more people would choose rather than the public defecation on the streets of san francisco oh yeah i'm happy to let them choose yeah i let them choose uh why does he sound like that man it's getting It's getting kind of boring, I hate to admit, how easy it is to make fun of DeSantis now. I might actually start feeling bad for him. I mean, I'm going to take credit. I was making fun of him before it was cool. And I'm starting to feel that way about a lot of other things too, actually. Uh, I don't know if people have noticed this, but it's becoming more common to... Spout a lot of conspiracies I saw Jack Dorsey The former Twitter CEO Sounding really stupid uh, About the JFK assassination And I gotta ask myself what, What did I expect was gonna happen? You know, people are starting to believe The things I wanted them to believe But Most people are kind of annoying and dumb And they're ruining it for me They're making it cringe and lame. And what ends up happening when people who aren't particularly smart or charismatic start spouting conspiracies is they make things that are kind of true sound very dumb and untrue. And there was that recent RFK Jr. clip of him saying that the COVID-19 virus was a manufactured bioweapon designed to not kill Chinese people and Ashkenazi Jews. In fact, COVID-19, there's an argument that it is ethnically targeted. COVID-19 attacks certain races um, disproportionately. The, uh, the, 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 The races that are... Most of you immune to COVID nineteen are because of the, of the structure of the,
1: uh, um, the genetic structure, um, uh, uh, genetic differentials
0: among different races of the um, of the receptors of the ACE two receptor. Um, COVID nineteen is targeted to attack uh, Caucasians and uh, and, uh, and uh, Black people. This is actually great news for me. Because uh, according to RFK, that means I'm not white. So, that's uh, that's pretty cool. I'm pretty happy about that. I haven't wanted to be white for a while. Don't call me
1: white! Don't call me white!
0: But, uh, now I guess it's a, it's a fact. It's a biological fact that there is a Jewish DNA... I mean that's fucking stupid, right? Jews don't exist like that. How are you gonna manufacture a virus to kill Ashkenazi Jews? There, there is there a Ashkenazi Jew DNA? I know there isn't like certain Hasidic communities because they're so inbred that they get Tay Sachs and stuff like that. But for the most part, Jews are just you know bastard
1: Europeans.
0: Today's guest is Maxwell Cody, better known on Instagram as Schizotopia. Uh, Max has finally pushed me over the edge. I now fully believe that democratizing information was a huge mistake, and the internet and all of its nonsense is making people go totally insane. I don't think that people were meant to know things, or at least, like, know too many things. Uh, and I blame people like Joe Rogan for this. You know, everyone's jack of all trades, master of none, total pseudo intellectual bullshit. Like, it doesn't help you to know this much nonsense about very, like, about too much stuff. I fully believe now that it is way better to be uninformed than to be misinformed. And just don't care about this stuff. I mean, you like... I don't know. I was I was thinking about cowboys recently. Because so I'm working on a story about cowboys. Uh, Florida cowboys. And how they didn't know shit. Like, they don't know nothing about nothing. Except they know a lot about cows. They know a lot about horses. And they know a lot about the land that they live on. Which is really what you should know. That's so much more beautiful than knowing about stuff that you can't even touch. That you've never seen Imagine like knowing, trying to like focus on obsessing over something that you've never seen or a place you've never been to, and being an expert like a, a, a like a dilettante really, not an expert, a dilettante on a place you've never been. So you should really concern yourself with being. We should go back to being stupid and illiterate, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But it's more important to just have a heart of gold. You know, be a be. Be a dumb guy or a dumb girl with a heart of gold. And don't worry about anything. Be a craftsperson, you know. Focus on your craft. Get really good at one thing. Hone that. But maybe, uh, I don't know, you tend to project your resentment or hatred onto things that uh, you hate about yourself. And maybe, <laughs> I don't know. So how diff- how different am I? From Joe Rogan, really. I'd like to think I'm a little more thoughtful. uh, But still, help me distribute my more fun disinformation by uh, leaving a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Seems to make a difference for the algorithm. Makes a difference for my ego. Indulge me. You know, don't give four stars because it's more real-seeming like some people have. That's, like, insulting. Don't do that. Oh, I'm also thinking about uh, rebranding the podcast. I've been thinking about that a lot. It's super hot here in Florida, and I've been thinking about my air conditioner a whole ton. And so I was thinking about changing it to something along the lines of uh, air Condition nightmare. Uh, that also happens to be the title of a Henry Miller book. Do you think the Miller estate is particularly litigious? And do you think that by admitting that connection that I've made it easier to sue me if that I mean, I have to get famous first, which, you know, let's let's be realistic here, folks. Or will it just be a running theme throughout the podcast that I just keep thinking about what to rename the podcast and never do it? Can you can you tell when something
1: is ChatGPT? I well, that's the problem is that a lot of things were already were ChatGPT before ChatGPT even came out. I mean, the way the way that like you're supposed to structure a college paper, for example, right? Um, that was already ChatGPT, and basically what what you were training people to do with these college papers. Um, the standard college, college essay, and I used to tutor people on how to write these. It's basically just slow chat GPT. You go scrape the data um, from a bunch of different sources, and then you put it in this very specific format. It's not surprising to me that you you could make a computer program to automate that pretty well. Um, so stuff like that, it's like, well, can you tell us Chat GPT? It was all, so much stuff in in our society was already Chat GPT. Um, right. I mean, I,
0: this I don't think that the the technology itself is novel beyond just its processing power because when i played with it i was like this is just a glorified uh wikipedia you know i i wasn't yes. i was unimpressed by by playing G- with google wikipedia
1: uh um, yeah it, but right but now and, and it's funny cuz it has the same problem you know people didn't trust wikipedia when it first came out and you know i don't know how how much more accurate wikipedia has gotten um or if people just stopped caring but it's like everybody knew that wikipedia articles would get edited in certain ways all the time and now that kind of fear is back, which I'm kind of glad people are yeah. a little bit more suspicious of uh, what, what the algorithm is telling them.
0: Well this is gonna be what we're talking about today and um, I let let's let's, uh, let's formalize this a little bit uh, on today's episode of what's it called Max
1: uh, I can ask, Babylon cheeseburger
0: Close uh, cheeseburger in Babylon.
1: Oh, we're not rebranded uh, yet. Okay, I'm sorry. No, we
0: can, we can do that. Maybe that'll be like a, a, some bonus material I can have my listeners pay for where you and I just spitball different names for my podcast.
1: I, I think uh, you just need something that's more Florida.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about something like about Florida being cursed somehow. Like the dark spirit of Florida. Like that's not it, but something along those lines. Um, Anyway, on to today's episode of Cheeseburger in Babylon, we have Mr. Schizotopia himself. Also... Uh, Neo Yeoman? Would you prefer to be known as that? No, now? what
1: I mean—that's—that's that's gonna. My new stack is called Neo Yeoman, but we're not right. You're so. still—you're still Schizotopia as it stands. Yeah, as far as most—as um,
0: far as most of you know me, yes. Mr. Maxwell Cody, uh, I have become a big fan of Max's just over the past several months, um, and I consider you to be uh, my—at least in—in in terms of what I consume—the uh, foremost expert on the internet.
1: Well, my tagline used to be a future Supreme Leader of the Internet, but then people just started calling me Supreme Leader of the Internet. And I was like, well, that's not you're missing the joke. I'm not. (laughs) I don't ever. It was supposed to be a never ending quest to become the Supreme Leader of the Internet. Well,
0: see, there's there's the cringe you're talking about that people didn't pick up on, I guess.
1: Yeah, I was. It was definitely supposed to be a joke. And then that's the thing. People don't. They omit the joke part and they take you completely literal. And it's like, well, now that now that just makes me look like a dickhead. So accu- are you accused of?
0: Ago. Are you accused of being too online?
1: Oh, of course I am. But that's like. But the thing is, the only people who are ever going to say that to you are are the other uh, terminally online people.
0: I mean, my parents say I am, or at least they don't. Yeah, they don't but, say. They don't put it in that way. But they they accuse me of being I, too much. Too too concerned with the internet.
1: I mean, but here, okay, but here's the thing. I, I this is something that comes up a lot because people now. Um, I, at some point, we crossed that the threshold where it was like uh, pre-pandemic, people are already spending over 12 hours. The average person is spending over 12 hours on the internet a day. So they were already spending most of their lives online in one form or another. And then during the pandemic, it went up to like 16 hours a day on average. And then now it's dropped down to like 14 I don't remember the exact numbers, but it's something like that. The point being, That's, those are crazy numbers too. The, yeah. the, the point being, the average person, and then the younger you go, the higher it gets. So it's like for for Zoomers, it was like they're on YouTube; they have YouTube playing like on average like nineteen hours a day.
0: <laughs> but is it like a background thing? I feel like they're consuming. They're doing like the multi-screen. Yeah, it can thing be passive consumption.
1: Yeah. But the point is, it's right. always going. It's always going. I don't know. If it's have, you, 19 hours, have you have you always going? Have you
0: like in person watched a Zoomer interact with TikTok?
1: What do you mean in per like I like seeing just like just doing watch, watch the zoomer
0: life. use TikTok yeah in your life.
1: I I when I was still living in Santee and I would do my my morning my morning lap through the um little backwoods out there, uh, I I do remember coming down the hill once and seeing two zoomer girls, uh I don't know if they were doing a TikTok or what but it, there were some zoomer girls that were definitely doing some very brazen um sex dance with their phones. And I, like I knew they were they were making content <laughs> right. for something. Right. What exactly? I'm not sure. I mean, it could have even been OnlyFans. I don't know. But the, the thing that struck me is that it was like it was broad daylight. It was right in the middle of the path. Um, shameless. shameless. It was complete. Yeah. And I, it's, I feel like an old prude, but I was shocked at how shameless it was and how mm-hmm. it was like not it was just like, well, yeah, this is just what we do now. We make softcore porn at nine in the fucking morning on the, on the hiking trip. I was just like, I was, I was just like, am I, am I an old man? I mean, I also, I I hit that guy in his thirties superposition where, um, you know, when you're in your thirties, you are not a kid anymore, but you're, you're not really old yet either. Kind of in the same way, when you're a teenager, you're not a kid anymore, but you're definitely not an adult. And I, I saw some kids smoking weed in an aqueduct and part of me wanted to be like hey let me hit that and another part of me wanted to be like what the fuck are you losers doing like get the fuck out of here you can't smoke weed out in the open like this you know so it's like i felt both at the same time and i was like okay i'm at some kind of crossroads here
0: do you think uh do you think you want to be less online is that the goal in the future or do you think it's just going to there's no there's oh no well, hope uh, without it.
1: So this is the thing about the term online discourse, where it's like everybody, every time now, somebody hears an opinion they don't like, or they want to be dismissive, they just say, "Well, that's just people on the internet." But the problem with that mm-hmm. is that everybody's on the internet all the time now. So arguably, the internet is now more real than real life. And I know I'm not even I'm not trying to be like some Bajradian, um, uh, Bajradian, um Franco dork. You know, I'm I, I'm I'm saying like literally if if most human interaction is now done through the internet, then the internet is society. It's more society than than the actual physical society. And, you know, and, and the thing that pisses me off, look at all of these hysterical shitlibs who go on and on about the January 6th insurrection. Who are still on about this. And it's like, okay, you can't have it both ways. Either these are just some terminally online idiots who got radicalized by QAnon, Telegram group chats, um, or it was a serious attempt to overthrow the U.S. government and, and reverse the results of the election. If you think the latter, then the former is pretty important, isn't it? It's not just it's not just internet discourse then, isn't it? It's translating into something real. So, I mean, you, you can't have it both ways. You can't dismiss uh, all of these terming online people, but then also constantly uh, be writing all these articles about online radicalization and how dangerous it is and how it's a threat to our democracy.
0: Yeah, and how they're uh, worse than 9-11.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's
0: it's no, I, I I completely agree. And I remember when um before QAnon went you know public, I remember looking into it, talking about it, and people were like, "That's not going anywhere." And then it became you know there was like a, a, a like a critical mass, I think, for at least a brief period of time. I guess that um, crystallized in the January sixth stuff, at least a little bit. Um, and I didn't want to ever say like I told you so, like I I told you these pe- these people are real, and I, I find them. I know when the internet is real if someone talks to me about it in real life, and I remember no like being like, okay, QAnon's here. Was when I was uh, I took an Uber ride and this guy just started volunteering that QAnon information at me, and yeah. then when I never pushed back, right? Just keep indulging, keep asking me like, well, what, what, like explain this to me, and when you have just like these seemingly like normy people like in their 50s, 60s, talking about internet stuff. You're like, this is here. This is this has crossed that, yeah. uh, that boundary.
1: And there's another thing where it's I would say there's like digital maturity. And the thing is, it's like when I was a teenager going on the internet for the first time, I remember being a little bit confused by different ads and stuff that I would get or not being able to spot a catfish or, or, or this sort of thing. Um, or or knowing or you know, knowing when something is copy pasta, knowing when someone is trolling you, this sort of thing. Um, you know, there's a little bit of a learning curve there that maybe took a, a few years. And the thing is is that all of our, for the most part, our parents who got on social media after us, they had to do that learning curve later. Um, so you know, when I sometimes when I see my older family members responding seriously to copy pasta um, or something that's clearly fake, uh, Post it on their wall, you know. I have to stop and say, just so you know, that th- this is something called copy pasta. It's not real. It's not something you're actually supposed to respond to.
0: For our listeners, uh, I, I have uh, when I look at the demographics of uh, my age group for who's listening to my podcast, uh, I have some, you know, uh, older folks who probably don't know what copy pasta means. Can you can you tell our listeners what copy pasta is?
1: Copy pasta is just anything where you know whether or not it was written sincerely or not. At, at the start, it's just a block of text that's basically become a meme. Um, mm-hmm. So, one of them, um, I think one of the famous ones, one of the f- first ones I remember is somebody saying, you know, you fucked up and then going on this long rant about how they're a trained US Army sniper and they're going to track your IP address and they're going to um, kill you and blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> That's but that's like probably one of the most popular pieces of copy pasta, and now whenever someone maybe annoys you or you just feel like starting shit, you just copy paste that into the comment section, and and a lot of people respond to it seriously and be like, "You're right. threatening me! How dare you! You're ridiculous!" Blah blah blah, and that person is probably if they're still reading your responses, they're just sitting there and laughing. Now, Max,
0: I wanted to have you on the podcast this week because there have been some uh, online things that have some florida presence to them and the one in particular (laughs) as always uh, as always i mean i want to we'll get into a little bit of the history of the internet in florida but uh the one that's in the news right now a lot is that there's malaria here in the state uh there's there've been a couple incidences in uh, texas but i think as of today florida has i think six cases of malaria
1: is this anti-vaxxer stuff
0: Yes, this is Bill Gates' anti-vaxxer stuff that's, that people are putting out there. And it's like gaining, it, it, like, it's incredible how fast it moves on the internet and how people mm-hmm. are, I saw some post saying that uh, like a helicopter dropped deadly mosquitoes onto like black people in Baltimore and there's like video of people like swatting away at bugs you can't see. And it's just like, there's no context for it. You have no idea, but it's interesting the way like everything can be mapped onto this and it, it, it snowballs into something like that feels real to people. And so I had just had a very like online week this week that included the malaria stuff. I had actually been visiting uh, the mosquito control center here in Sarasota, Florida uh, to write a story about it before I got laid off. Uh, Mm -hmm. And it was really fascinating how this government agency operates. Like mosquitoes kill more people in the world than anything else. They Mm -hmm. are the, the, yeah, they are, they're the most dangerous animal um, on the planet and what this agency does, this government agency does, with a very minimal budget. I think for the entire county of Sarasota, which is massive, I think they they only have like two or three million dollars to work with per year, and their focus is on dengue, St. Louis encephalitis, uh, like the Zika, West Nile stuff like that. And it's really impressive to me. It's an example of how like you need the government, <laughs> you need the state to do things like this because I wouldn't. I don't think you can deal with mosquitoes through uh you know any sort of private organization um and i was impressed uh what was interesting though is they don't test for malaria at this facility and a couple of weeks ago someone got malaria exactly because it hasn't there haven't there hasn't been uh, cases of malaria here in 20 years uh but this has popped up initially it was just kind of like ooh, like that's odd like is this some sort of like outlier did someone bring malaria from another country here uh and it was widely dismissed. He's like, this is, it'll be okay. It's anomaly. We're going to spray for it. It's fine. Well, more cases started popping up. And to make things a little more suspicious, uh, Ron DeSantis had the Florida Department of Health um, PR people like be like, we're not answering any more questions. Like, we're not going to tell you where this is, what's going on. They kept it mum, which was like odd. Um, DeSantis, and now...
1: Go on. De- DeSantis your favorite dude in the whole world. Um, he... He didn't really he didn't really try to placate the anti-vaxxers too much, though.
0: In regards to the the malaria stuff?
1: No, I mean, I'm just talking about In in general with regards to the covid stuff. He you know, he was he I remember him saying, you know, we don't need to do the covid theater anymore. But he also said, you know, if you're vaccinated, walking around out in the open without a mask, the odds of you getting covid are next to zero. The the my point being that like he he kind of played it down the middle there where he's like I'm yeah I'm against the lockdown stuff but of course go get the vaccine well, he didn't he a didn't great video
0: there's go... a great video of him talking about how he got the J and J there was a scandal uh, in 2020 when the first uh, 2021 when the first. A uh, vaccine started to roll out. There was like a pay-to-play. Like these rich people in uh, Lakewood Ranch and the villages got like the first access to the vaccine. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's not an anti vaxxer I think he's he's a political opportunist in that regard. But,
1: but what I'm getting at is is his is his reluctance to talk about malaria. Is it because he's trying to placate some of the anti-vax people? Because now he's running for president and he's trying to run to the right of Trump. Um, or is it more of a thing where it's like, uh, let's just try to keep this malaria shit quiet because it just makes me look bad. I you guess know, it, could
0: both, I, I, it could be both. I don't think there's a critical mass yet with the malaria stuff. Again, there's only been six cases of malaria. However, I was talking to a biologist about this, and he says that means that hundreds of people have malaria because of the how the malaria life cycle works, right. um, and so it's underreported. Um, whether or not it's going to like continue. It remains to be seen, but it has some local people spooked and it has some online people really pushing this whole thing about how Bill Gates created genetically modified mosquitoes, is releasing them. He owns this company, OxyTech, which had the mosquitoes and I guess also has a malaria vaccine. And that so like, being, well? it's COVID all over again. Yeah, well, no, like there has been pushback <laughs> uh, in regards to these genetically modified mosquitoes. I think that they've done it on some islands in Key West to try and keep it contained. I think they've tried it in other countries as well. Um, I'm personally against it because it's very much kind of like a, like, don't, don't fuck with things like that. That's that's like, not like, there's gotta be another way to handle. Uh, this is
1: sounding very lab leak to me, you know? And I I got a lot of shit for talking about lab leak. Uh, and at this point, it seems pretty obvious to me that the, Covid leaked from the lab in Wuhan, the, the Wuhan Virology Institute, um, and this was a story we should have been talking about a long time ago. And now it's like this is go- that's going to be the holy grail for um, everybody who doubted anything about Covid. Uh, and so I, you know, to an extent, I can understand you're talking about all of a sudden malaria is coming back, and it just happens to be after somebody was fucking with uh, genetically modified mosquitoes. I'm not saying that it's all part of uh, Bill Gates' master plan to get you to take his vaccine, but it, it, the the paranoia at least becomes understandable.
0: I mean, I could see something like it being more of a mistake. Like I, I think that most conspiracies are a combination of nefariousness and incompetence. And uh, yeah, like the whole lab leak thing does look like it's the case. Uh, and perhaps, yeah, some mosquitoes, some experimental mosquitoes, got loose. Um, although these mosquitoes were supposed to not give you, I mean, mosquitoes already have malaria or can have malaria. Only these very specific breeds can. And from what I understand, the breed of mosquito that they used for the genetically modified ones, uh, weren't for malaria because malaria, again, wasn't an issue here. It was for a whole host of other diseases, but it was meant to decrease the mosquito population by creating these genetically modified mosquitoes that were sterile. So they would breed and then nothing would come of it. Those are that. That's the kind of mosquito that uh, has been created. Yeah, basically. And I mean, like it's it's very interesting. The, the all the tools that they use to mitigate mosquitoes because they have to do a lot because otherwise we would be overrun with mosquitoes <laughs> and right. people would be getting very 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 sick. Eighty um, percent of mosquito control is larvicide, and what they do is they release basically a bacteria. They spray it with, uh, a bacteria. Put these bacteria in ponds. And you can buy them on, on Amazon, those little, like, cakes. And you just put them in water. And it's a natural bacteria that kills uh, the larva. And oh, it's okay. the most eco-friendly. Um, the spraying of the adulticides are the ones that are potentially, can be harmful. Like, you don't want that. And so that's kind of like a last, like, resort for mosquito control. Um, prevention is, you know, the best kind of medicine in general. Uh, I have
1: a... I have Go one on. of these LED uh, mosquito catchers, and I gotta say, I don't think I've ever had anything that worked this well.
0: You know, I was talking to the mosquito control people about getting like the LED or the the gas release ones, and they said we don't recommend those because um, they bring mosquitoes to you. Um, and he <laughs> said, if you don't keep up with it, you can create a problem. But they, again, the, for them, it's all prevention. Like, the, there are many different species of mosquito and they all do different things. They all behave differently. They all are active at different times of the day and night. And the really bad ones um, are these two species uh, that love sitting water and uh, exotic bromeliads, which is very interesting in Florida because so if you have like the native epiphytes, which are the, like the little ones that grow on trees, they don't have, they don't contain enough water like the exotic ones do that are like prettier, hardier. Um, and those are just like, they, they are, they they breed the really aggressive mosquitoes that um, carry diseases, and so they're saying like if we all work together to just get rid of standing water and get rid of exotic bromeliads, it would significantly decrease mosquito population.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: anyway, that's neither here nor there. But what but about
1: what about genetically modified mosquito hawks?
0: You mean like like uh, dragonflies or stuff like that? Like like give give dragonflies steroids? Yeah, let's, we don't have let's we, don't, let's we, don't, we don't have mosquito hawks down here. I don't think.
1: Let's breed, let's breed super frogs.
0: Well, well you know, I, I asked about that too. So Sarasota, uh, this is becoming a mosquito episode, but uh, Sarasota has the uh, the largest uh, mosquito fish hatchery in the country. And you, they'll give you free fish that you can put in whatever body of water you have that will eat mm. the larva. Now he said that, again, like that only does a little bit. I talked about like, I, I was, I'm building a bat box in my backyard. And he's like, yeah, they're, they'll, they'll do a little bit, but they're not going to get rid of the mosquito problem for you. Um, mm-hmm. And they only eat so many mosquitoes, they eat a lot of other stuff too. So again, it's literally just like get rid of standing water. I think the worst mosquitoes I've ever experienced in the United States, at least, was, was in Brooklyn. And just think about all the gross standing water that's in people's backyards and areas of Brooklyn. They were nasty motherfuckers.
1: I, I did not know that. I did not know there was that much standing water in Brooklyn. Well, think about
0: like, the, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's like a ton of this sewer water. I mean, I'm surprised they don't have more diseases there, honestly. But what, again, what I find interesting is this, uh, how quickly these kinds of, like the conspiratorial mind of people today when it comes to everything and the malaria stuff, it's like, yeah, you know, there's some possibility there that uh, it could be some sort of lab leak. It seems kind of dangerous to purposely release mosquitoes because um, they go everywhere and you know, you're know you not going to selectively get the people you want. Like Rich people can get bit by mosquitoes too, is what I'm saying. So mm-hmm. wouldn't you want to like narrow it down to a particular demographic? Which they've is already been yeah.
1: given the secret nanotech that will keep yeah. them safe. <laughs> exactly. But do they know
0: they've been given the nanotech or do they like hide that information from the rest of us?
1: Uh, but that's that's above my pay grade. But no, I mean, I the the reason the whole reason I started Schizotopia to begin with is that I noticed that conspiracism had become the dominant form of thought for everyone, uh, including liberals. They just they're just more dishonest about it, or less honest about it. They you know liberals have their own weird conspiratorial ways of thinking. And I mean, Russia Gate is QAnon on for liberals for sure. Yeah, to a large extent. Yeah. And then just I, I've heard other stuff, you know, somebody told me that they thought that, um, you know, Obama was supposed to be the most progressive president ever, but that the Secret Service was intentionally, you know, secretly harassing him and his family to keep him in line. And that's why he didn't um, do all of the stuff that he was supposed to do. And that sounded that sounded very proto-QAnon, right? Like, no, mm-hmm. he's secretly our guy, but in the deep state. Uh, then use this language, but the deep state is like harassing him somehow to to stop him from doing this. And so it's like it's the same type of thinking. And ultimately, it's not that I deny that um, you don't have a bunch of nefarious groups running around. I just don't think anyone there's anyone in particular that's in charge. But it's ultimately it's like when you live in a dysfunctional democracy where nobody can get what they want, uh, it's just endless political gridlock. It doesn't matter who you vote for. Uh, but it doesn't matter who you get in there because nobody's going to end up being able to pass any legislation, real legislation. You're going to have to either admit that the whole thing is fucked, which most people don't want to do. It's too painful. And it's easier to do to carry on the kayfabe and pretend that th- there has to be some larger explanation for why your guy isn't doing the things that you wanted to.
0: Do you think that it was different before the Internet or does the internet the internet
1: internet is i don't think like the internet's a separate thing i think it's just a more intense version of what has always been
0: i mean certainly conspiracy theories like pre-exist the
1: internet yeah but but those are mostly cute i mean those are more like like the jfk conspiracy theory stuff it was something that every every boomer had their version of and there was like popular movies about it and it was kind of a even a a bit of a joke, a, a punchline in a lot of shows and movies, because it was just something that everybody's uncle had a really strong opinion on, but most people hadn't really, or were never really going to take the time to look too deeply into. Um, and even like X, X-Files and, and this sort of thing, there was like a, a popular conspiracy culture that was very much, uh, didn't take itself too seriously. And i would also talk about new age bookstore culture because I grew up with this. I, I went to new age bookstores all the time as mm-hmm. a young adult and as a young man. Um, while well, they still existed, they don't really exist in the way that they used to. But so, like so yeah, there's
0: it, it was it was a uh, niche stuff. But it feels like conspiracy is becoming normy now. And there's okay. something like disappointing about that for me. it's it's funny. you know, like I just saw that clip of uh, Jack Dorsey the, the Twitter uh, former Twitter CEO talking about the JFK assassination. And it's yeah. you know, I've been wanting people to believe this for years. Uh, and now that they do, I almost regret it because it's it's super cringe of them. like they, they they're first of all, they're really bad at it and they make it mm-hmm. sound stupid. Yeah. And so what but what else did I think was going to happen when you when the, the normies got a hold of this information? Like, what were they going to do?
1: Except I, make well, it bad. I, I saw I saw the death of the old conspiracy culture and of the old kind of new age bookstore culture. And I saw its rebirth online. And one thing, you know. One thing I used to love about used bookstores, and especially like new age bookstores, is that they would often have a section with um, self published books, and I mean th- these these books would just be incredible works of brain origami. One of them was this dude who had tried to combine Taoism with uh, the philosophy of Ayn Rand, and <laughs> I, I can't remember it was called like the TX the the, the, the TX three thousand system, and I mean it was, this, oh it was this it was this Xerox book that was like 2,000 pages thick. And it was just like poor, poorly inked Xerox page after page after page, chapter after chapter after chapter about you know, basically combining traditional Chinese medicine and philosophy with like this Randian egoism so that you can become this like kind of ultimate Kung Fu Ubermensch. And clearly this was just <laughs> this like deranged man's personal passion. And then yeah. not only that, there was like multiple volumes where he was like updating the system. Um,
0: and now people are using that as like an actual source of information, possibly on the internet. I, I see people well, like hold up these insane books as evidence of something.
1: The problem I, is the, the problem is that that guy today would just kind of be on Twitter or Substack, and I also even question if he would finish such a a, a massive uh, magnum opus like that. That that guy today, I feel like would just get lost in the internet. Um, so that's the thing that's kind of sad is that the the the, the idiosyncratic weirdo. Um, he, he's not really going to be writing. They're not going to be creating these works like this anymore. They're just going to be diffused into the internet. And then we all sort of become like a bad, ver- an even worse version, a less creative version of this person.
0: I think that I'm, I got really shook watching. Did you see that video of the, the woman freaking out on the plane about the reptile she was sitting next to? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that one's making the rounds right now. Everyone's seeing that. And first, I heard- it, Go on.
1: I heard a very good take, which was that, that the only re- the reason why this is going viral is because this looks like a relatively respectable woman.
0: Yeah, I posted that that woman who said that she's like hot, and that's why people are taking e- her seriously. Had, it,
1: if she had a shaved head or a septum piercing or any indication that she was some kind of drug addict or something, this would just be another fucking another day in hell. But it's because she kind of looks pretty normy, and it's like rel- yeah. relatively attractive. You know, it it somehow it freaks everybody out because it's sort of like. We live in the most anxious, intense age, maybe in all of human history. And I'm not saying we live in the worst age. And I'm not saying we even have a reason to be the 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 most. Um, it's anxious safe age right in human now. History.
0: It's really safe to live in this world in America, in particular. But right now,
1: everybody is everybody is plugged in to this uh, dopamine feedback machine, and everybody is constantly on edge now. And they, so everybody has this, I think, internal feeling of I'm going crazy I'm going crazy I'm going crazy I'm going crazy and if you see somebody who does not look like a designated crazy person going crazy you think there but for the grace of God you know that that could be me and that I think that's why that was resonating with people I I, I don't remember who who made that take but I, I remember agreeing with it
0: Yeah I mean I thought it was an interesting point my my initial response was this is sad and I hate it when people record people in public freaking out because yeah. it's 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 permanently embarrassing for them yeah and and so i i that was my initial response this is very sad and um just bizarre And, and and again it was for me like okay we are entering or have been in this age of mass psychosis because she was talking about incredibly online things saying that she was like he was like some freemason reptilian yeah and and for normies, someone who looks like a normie to be spouting this incredible, like formally, like esoteric, like nonsense that you found in just like bizarre corner. You of the used internet.
1: to have to go. You used to have to go to the new age bookstore, go all the way mm-hmm. to the back, and really talk to some weirdos to get stuff like that, or you'd have to go to websites that you would, most people simply wouldn't wouldn't want to click on, uh, back in the day. There's a certain there's a there's a certain unhinged person website aesthetic, yeah. uh, that's gone now because it, everything's kind of been standardized and formalized and everyone can just sort of put whatever those opinions are on Substack or Instagram or Twitter or what have you. But um, yeah, I mean, that's again, that's where that's where Schizotopia came from, because I was like, this is now. This is no longer the counterculture. This has become the culture, and it's actually very similar to like Marvel films and comic books. Where comic books used to be something for a very particular type of nerd. Back in my day, when I was a kid, it was like <laughs> it was just sort of understood. You do, you don't bring up comic books or video games in front of girls. I remember this time, but that's I mean, just you not... still
0: you still should, in my opinion. No, okay.
1: today the, the the girls you meet are going to be bringing it up with you. They're going to be like, did you see the new fucking uh, Captain America? You know, they're they're the ones who are more into it than even the average dude. So whatever. That's it's another thing where it's like, here was this thing that was for a very particular subset of weirdos that was gate kept for a while, and now because of the expansion of mass media, it's gone mainstream, and it's it, there's something kind of bewildering about that.
0: And I think it's making people who would otherwise live normal lives act, like actual crazy people i think that there's a, a, a mm-hmm. detrimental effect on people's mental health when they have access to this kind of uh information particularly because it's it's not like uh it's not like going to the movies and watching a movie it's like this whole like diy like do your own research i'm looking into this i look at what i figured out there's something even there's something more more uh, heinous about that to me
1: it feels democratic it but feels at the same democratic. time it's like it feels-
0: hyper individual. So yes, this is where like watching that woman freak out about reptiles, watching the online response, a a big online response where people are saying like, it's true, like they're amongst us. And I always like, to me, it's, it's, it's like, my, my, my take was, why would a Freemason reptilian be sitting in the middle aisle in the back of coach? Like, what's the point of being a master of the universe? if you have well, to sit in the back of the He's like
1: they feed off of people's pain and anxiety right so when you're in so f- yeah for for you that doesn't make sense but sure, for a reptilian yeah, okay. they're absorbing all that negative aura all that like lower class um i'm stuck in coach angst right uh-huh. but that woman was too too high vibrational for that shit
0: yeah awakened consciousness
1: she she has and- a completely decalcified uh, pineal gland <laughs> and she saw right <laughs> through that and she's like you're not yeah. you're not sucking up my fucking she's- energy
0: She's been drinking that radium water and it's clearing her house, yes, dude. That's so that's okay. So, normally I see this stuff and I'm like, and I see responses to it. I'm like, these people are not being for real, they're doing it for clout, they're joking. But I went to that meetup this week, I think I told you about it, where uh, it was like an Atlantis meetup. And in go Saras- on, <laughs> yeah, and so in Sarasota, Florida, for a while now has had uh there's a theory that the the quartz sand on our beaches particularly siesta key are the remnants of the lost city of atlantis um and now there's this other stuff about like saxer stones like these stones with big holes in them that were anchors and this guy was saying that uh that florida is part of uh formerly atlantis Like here, the anchor stones are here. Like Atlantis was anchored down here, and what was amazing was this this guy. I'm not going to say his name right now, but this guy who's based out in Miami, uh, put this on his Instagram to meet up on this day. uh, It's a full moon. Meet up on Siesta Key Beach to talk about Atlantis. Now, I thought I was like, I'm going to be the only person who shows up here. (laughs) You know, that's me and this guy. I've been fine with that. Forty people showed up from all around the state to meet this guy he was two hours late by the way <laughs> i guess the more late you are he's the on more atlantis time you bro you gotta yeah. chill he's on atlantis time <laughs> so the sincerity of these people were the same kind of people who like would have commented on that woman in the airplane mm-hmm. uh, like being like no it's true it's true these people sincerely believe this stuff and when they talk about tartaria and vaccines and all kinds of stuff
1: well I'm can like, i i mean this is I, nuts I, I, I'd like to take a moment here to defend uh, lizard people and Atlantis, if that's all right. Oh, please. So have you ever heard about cerulean hypothesis? No, (laughs) this is a paper written by a NASA scientist. I can look it up for you. I forget the dude's name. Obviously people throw this around as though it was somehow NASA saying that this is all real. That's not what it's about. It's, it's an honest, it's an honest, well thought out um, theory by, a a normie scientist, all right? But basically, his view is that we point SETI into space and say, statistically, there must be some advanced uh, intelligent alien life out there. And if we look long enough through all of the, uh, through this vast sandbox of stars and planets, we're going to find it. And he says, well, why couldn't you point turn around and uh, look through the geological record and say the same thing for all the millions and millions and millions and billions of years that the earth has been around. And there's, we're always discovering new hominids, new whole new chapters of natural history. We didn't know about so on and so forth in, in, in all of those layers of natural history. Wouldn't you expect to find at least one advanced civilization, um, that sprung up could have been around for hundred thousand years, two hundred thousand years, a million years, uh, been destroyed or ended, went to, went extinct for whatever reason, and just got so buried by uh, the ge- the the tectonic plates, what what have you, that it would be almost impossible to find. But maybe there would be some evidence. Um, I know recently in South Africa they discovered evidence of, of of pesticide, like ancient pesticide, and they're thinking, well, who was doing this? It could have been. Could it have been some some a plant advanced p- a plant like a plant? Maybe, that would but it could have been.
0: From, isn't that what a pesticide is?
1: I'll 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 find you the article. But basically, what they're saying was, no, this looks intentional. And um, the the uh, argument you know, being, there could have been there could have been hominids because we're always finding new hominids. There could have been some hominids that were doing a primitive form of farming, right? That would change our perception of the of the of the natural record a little bit. And if you had such a long period according to mainstream science of when lizards ruled the earth is it so far-fetched to think that there could have been an advanced lizard civilization
0: i mean i can to me this sounds like kind of like a, the, the simulation theory thought exercise where it's just like okay statistically possible or probable i guess in the case of simulation theory and then i just kind of get to the point where i'm like well so what what difference does it make if we live in a simulation it doesn't nothing you don't have to worry about it it doesn't matter um, and then with the Atlantis stuff and Tartaria, Tartaria is a. Far, have you looked into Tartaria? I'm only just recently. Bit, I mean,
1: I've heard. Look, I've I've been through all a little. I know a little bit about all of this stuff because I've like, well, have been the, going the, through every single one of one. these theories since I was like, uh, you know, 13 years old. So,
0: Tartaria is the stupidest one I've ever heard because they say it existed in the 1800s, and it's just like people who simply don't know the history of the Tartars, right? The nomadic steppe people, <laughs> and so they well, see like a, a the, map from the, the 1800s. And they're like, oh my God, they've hidden this history from us in these maps that are like 100 years old. There's the
1: lost history, the lost history people who will say pretty much all modern history, pretty much all all modern history or all history is fabricated or these particular centuries are fabricated. There's a guy, I think he's one of my favorite conspiracy theorists ever named Max Egan uh, because he basically just says, All of history is fake. The Earth is basically on this like cataclysmic cycle that happens every few thousand years. And so buildings in San Francisco that we're being told were built in the gold rush. No, no, no. That is like from some ancient civilization that was a few cycles before us uh, or or what have you. It's all I mean, it's all fake. It's all fake. And we are just on this gigantic um, human Jurassic Park that self-destructs. Uh, every every few hundred years, every few thousand years, and, and any other history is just completely, totally made mm-hmm. up. Um, I like that because, you know, if you're going to be a conspiracy theorist, go all the way. Well,
0: every, I absolutely like it. everything is fake. But I, I want like
1: to, I do, but I, I do want to say like there's, I'm obviously being generous because what a lot of people do is they take these ideas and they spiritualize them uh, and they kind of become a, a, a personal belief system. But what I'm saying is Big picture, it is very likely that you could have had non-human civilizations popping up on Earth millions of years before human beings ever came around. It's also possible there's undiscovered hominid civilizations. You know, people used to say, "Oh, Cro-Magnon man was a brute. He's a complete idiot, and that's why he got killed off." But now we know that that's not true. Cro-Magnon man was smart. Cro-Magnon man could could make art and was friendly and could make tools and probably just interbred out of existence uh, with Homo sapiens. So. We, we find this stuff all the time. The, the the record gets bigger. The universe keeps getting bigger, and it's populated with a bunch of weird things. But
0: again, it, it comes down to the point of so what? I, I well, you what you don't I oh, find whoa,
1: whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. So what? What do you mean so what? That's interesting, is it not? If that well, if any of that turns yes, out to be true, inter- that's pretty fucking interesting.
0: It's interesting, but what bearing does it have on our actual political lives today? Like z- nothing zero. I, these kinds I, of truths, these kind of truths or supposed truths, don't matter. It's just I feel I'm, I've begun to feel the same way about. Like all the conspiracies, it's a big so what in the end. It's all entertainment, like because there is no political valence to these beliefs. And when you're around these people, when you hang out with them, so he, this is what I found interesting about hanging out with these Ad- Atlantean type people is uh, they were f- all formerly libs, and mm-hmm. co- COVID pilled them, and mm-hmm. now they're uh, like right wing anarchists. And what's always so funny about this idea, though, it's it's all it's it's this kind of. Uh, it's it's deeply American, I think, in that it yes. is hyper individualistic. It's all about this personal discovery of the truth. Yes, but at the same time, it's it is not like about the individual at all because they're still latching on to uh, powerful figures. They still believe these these individuals, these other people, and and gather around them. So it's interesting watching these supposed anarchists, supposed hyper individualists, inevitably form another kind of uh controlled group and yeah so it, it's it i don't know there there is like something protestant about like the internet conspiracies because it's it is about the person uh, an individual discovering something but it becomes uh, it it falls to the wayside the individual falls to the wayside again in the face of all this stuff
1: I, well, okay. It For me, all politics comes down to Hobbes and Rousseau. And if you think we live in the Rousseau world and that the Hobbes world is just sort of uh, stacked on top of it, you know that, that's kind of the general liberal disposition. And usually something happens to them. Some ex- they witness some exercise of power and they realize, well, actually the Hobbesian struggle uh, is more real than we thought it was. And then they have to find some other form of Rousseau to escape to. And that's kind of the dialectic that you're describing here. They're all libs. And they think, ah, oh, we live in the best possible of all worlds where we're forming, we're always, we're always working on forming a more perfect union. The arc of history bends towards progress, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, then they see an exercise of arbitrary power, or at least what they perceive to be an exercise of arbitrary power, in the form of COVID lockdowns, and all of a sudden they go, well, "Wait a second! This seems like this seems like there's a uh, there actually was a grand sovereign standing behind this uh, uh, this liberal illusion that I've lived in my whole life." And now I have to come to terms with the fact that power exists. And then they go, "Well, what am I going to do? Am I going to overthrow the state? Well, am I going to become a? Am I going to become a Marxist? Eh. Am I going to become even something like some kind of? I don't know, a trad cat or something? That's the path some people go down. Well, no, actually, the the one that seems the most groovy is this kind of spiritual adventure where um, you 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 return to uh, some kind of ancient, idyllic sort of pastoral." A spiritual past in the form of Atlantis and uh, spiritual awakening and this sort of thing, which I think is a they 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 managed to get back to a different type of Rousseau, the kind of spiritual new age version of Rousseau.
0: Does this I keep thinking about like metaphor though, and in, in regards to these people the way people read history? Uh, I think some Jews, when you talk to a lot of Jews, like religious Jews, and you ask them, uh, Was Jonah really swallowed by the whale?
1: Mm hmm they'll say no i think well which religious jews you mean not 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 chabad i'm gonna say the ultra-orthodox are gonna be like yeah you better believe he was swallowed by a whale or actually they'll point out they'll point out that it says sea monster so it doesn't have to be whale.
0: i but i I think it's only a very recent phenomenon and maybe it's just a a consequence of like the discipline of archaeology existing But i don't think people really cared to prove whether the bible was true or not until pretty
1: recently no 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 no. that yes you're right the the because you can even go back to um, philo of alexandria and he has this like total spiritualized reading of the bible and this is you know this is before christ and so you already had jews who are coming up with this you know this intellectual kind of platonic reading of the bible um over 2000 years ago and it's only this is the other thing people always forget the scopes trial you know, Henry James Bryant, he's there defending creationism, even though in his private life, he really didn't have a problem with Darwin's theory until he saw social Darwinism becoming a thing. So, yes, these types of these types of arguments, they, they are a product of modernity because people in the ancient world, they didn't think in terms of empirical science. They didn't even necessarily think in terms of empiricism as being something that you needed to prove Uh Something was true, that their standards of truth and their way of thinking was completely different. It's like it's, it's, a, it's a completely foreign culture to us. It's hard for us, especially as Americans of any stripe, to, to wrap our minds around how they actually thought about things. But yes, the whole conflict between religious literalism and uh, and science, quote unquote, TM, um <laughs> is, is a is itself a product of modernity. True. And I don't
0: think we'll ever transcend this modern dynamic until we stop trying to prove things as as scientifically true and that's what's so interesting about these atlantean type people is yeah they like they dress like they're spiritualists mm-hmm. and they start to dip their toe into like demonic stuff but they're still so fixated on science and scientific evidence you know they, they they love pointing at studies or they love whenever someone has like a doctor in their name even if they're a fucking chiropractor to be like oh look this doctor like this like a uh, uh, person with credentials with empirical credentials says that this is a possibility or this is true. And I think yeah. that they'll, so there, there's something incredibly literal about all this stuff, as opposed to it being either metaphorical or like spiritual, which I think is the only way to move forward uh in the, like if you want to transcend the the, the mess that we're in today, it's not going to be through, through literalism.
1: Well, the other thing I wanted to add is that lots of people, it's a very common experience for people who do psychedelic drugs, that they encounter some kind of lizard being, or serpent being. Um, so I don't want to get too young Ian, but there is, I do, I do think there is this lizard people archetype. Um, if you want to get really woo and say, could it actually be, could it actually be some genetic memory of some lost lizard civilization that's somehow still metaphysically influencing us? Um, okay, that, that, that does sound a little bit far-fetched. But I all I want to say is I do get the lizard people thing. There, there's a whole there is a whole lizard people tradition. It's something you know it's something that I saw on psychedelics once. So I'm a little bit uh, I am a little bit sympathetic when people start talking about lizard people because I'm like it's it is weird how prolific that thing is. But I also want to mention to you, the guy who made lizard people po- uh, popular, who made lizard people mainstream, the guy who probably could claim the most credit for that is David Ike. Um, I don't know how much you know about David Ike, but David Ike was he, he ties in so perfectly to what, what we've been talking about today. He was like the most normy Englishman imaginable. Never, never did a drug in his life, and then decides to go do ayahuasca. And it just clearly had an effect on the man. I don't want to be rude and say it had a negative effect, but it's clearly had an effect on the man. And um, then after that, he gets really into lizard people. Um, one of my favorite stories that's told by Gordon White, actually. I can't remember if, who this was, but it was somebody who it was a story that he tells about somebody who goes on an ayahuasca retreat and um while he's on the ayahuasca uh while, while he's during the ayahuasca ceremony while he's tripping he floats out into another regions of space off the earth beyond the planets and floats off in another regions of, of space and he's confronted by these lizard beings and they're all like you stupid human, we used to rule the earth. We used to rule the earth and you don't. And, and, and you didn't. And in the future, you won't. We're going to come back and we're going to reconquer the earth and the earth will belong to uh, us lizard folk again. And so this guy who's like looking for this awesome spiritual experience comes down from his trip and he's like freaked out. He's like, that's horrible. Um, and so he goes and he tells the shamans about it. And he says like, I, I was talking to these lizard people. They said, they're going to take the earth back. What the hell? And the shamans just kind of wave their hand at him and say, oh, they always say that.
0: <laughs> yeah no that's the other thing too that especially when it comes to these experiences these psychedelic stuff these people have no fucking sense of humor uh one of my favorite stories about a friend of mine doing ayahuasca and he was this total psychonaut. he was very excited to do ayahuasca all of his friends found their purpose in life he's like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna find it i'm gonna get this thing that like i've been seeking you know my whole life and so he does ayahuasca and he's confronted with, uh, you know, like the mechanical elf type figures that people see. Mm-hmm. And they start telling him, they're like, you're gay. And he's like, what? And they keep telling him like, yeah, man, you, you didn't know you're gay. And he's like, oh, my God. And so he comes to and he's just like, oh, my, I, I'm, I can't believe I'm gay. I, had, I literally never crossed my mind. that <laughs> I would be gay. And so for the next month, and he decides to do it again. It is ayahuasca again. He sees the same else, and they're pointing at him being like, you're gay. And he's, and then he's like, oh my God, you guys are fucking with me. And they just start laughing at him. And so, yeah, I think that these people who have these psychedelic or spiritual experiences, like they're, again, they're too literal. I think that I do, I do believe in the immaterial world, immaterial universe and other like things that are out there that we can't even uh, like experience without either being a disciplined uh, meditation person or, or monk or, you know, doing psychedelics. But it's also very funny i think that the universe i think when i did psychedelics the, yeah. the god or whatever told me he's like this whole thing this whole thing it's a joke it's a big joke and you're either in on the joke or you're the butt of it and i guess i think that the people who do these things experience this world in this like very literal scary sinister way mm-hmm. are the on the butt of the joke and these um entities are fucking with them they're having a good time it's a very messing with them
1: and And it ends up becoming a, a a modern form of Gnosticism where the whole world is a conspiracy against man, and everything yeah. is interpreted that way. And then the only that, the only way the the only uh, solution to that is escape, either through apocalypse or through some kind of personal spiritual ascension. And I would also say it's very where we are at in history today, it's very similar to the late Roman Empire, where things are starting to fall apart. We're starting to discover weird things about the universe. Um, that we're just not able to handle and people start looking for uh, salvation cults?
0: Because it does all feel very apolitical to me.
1: And I guess I, the
0: one thing I do feel guilty of when I kind of indulge in conspiracies is I'm like, what political valence does this have? Like, how is this actually going to improve materially anything at all? And then I realize but, like the entertainment value that I, it, it is for me.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, this is the most hyper-entertained culture to ever exist. It 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 should be no surprise that politics just becomes a form of entertainment too. I mean, was not the apotheosis of reality TV Donald Trump because of becoming president of the United States, right? I mean, it was like that's what what more can you say? I mean, if if a reality TV star literally becomes president, so that now all all political discourse and news is is uh, in a sense, um, uh the same as a reality TV show. I mean, what you couldn't there's no there was like no dystopia or or anything like that ever written uh that could have been that literal. <laughs> oh it would have God. been if somebody if somebody tried to write <laughs> you know. if somebody tried to write like a book about the ascension of Donald Trump and the QAnon call and stuff like that, or tried to make a movie like that, it, it's actually it's sillier than it's sillier it would be, it would have been sillier and more heavy handed than something like Idiocracy. Yeah. So but here's the thing, but here's the thing, Isaac. It's like, oh, well, the normies can't handle internet. The normies can't handle psychedelics. The normies can't handle any of these weird ideas. The normies, basically the normies can't handle abstract thinking. Well, this is where you kind of start to become a little bit reactionary. At least I did where it's like, well, okay, if the average person isn't really literate and doesn't have the capacity to understand abstract ideas, you kind of see why people in the past maybe were kind of gatekeeping stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. No, and, I,
0: I, I would say I've, 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 I've abandoned, for the most part, philosophically, uh, democracy.
1: Yeah, like capital D democracy. It's kind of a childish idea, and that's the problem because you know, a, we live in a regime of infantilization. I don't know how else you would describe it. Um, in even the way people try to escape it it ends up just being more infantile. And then it's sort of like the people who are developing weird sexual fetishes. Um, Some dude like wearing diapers in a, in a dungeon somewhere and that's his form of catharsis feels more honest than a bunch of uh, truthers trying to figure out the exact uh, schematics of um, Bill Gates, nanobot mosquito conspiracy.
0: I I was just having a thought, man, that, you know the furries like the nbs like they're having so much more fun than that poor woman who freaked out on the airplane and it seems like that is a a much better way the, the, to the furries see are not the end the of the world
1: the furries are they having fun at everybody them. else's expense i mean i unironically <laughs> furries but like they're definitely having fun at everybody else's expense yeah. not the yeah. nbs the nbs are the most unfun people on the planet that's just pure zoomer yeah. misery
0: yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I, and that is the thing. I think you should just be fun. Being being fun is. And those people, the, the Atlantean people, they were like perfectly nice and fun. Like I, I actually, I actually enjoyed hanging out with them. Um, man. All right, Max. Well, I, I like to try and end every show on a more positive spin of something, something because I'm, I am, uh, a victim of optimism. I and maybe that's because I'm like a privileged guy.
1: You still got that uh, Rousseau in you.
0: Yeah, I still think I still I still can't help but be optimistic about things. And so I want to ask you, uh, what are you optimistic about?
1: Uh, here's the thing. man. Yeah, this might be too long of an answer. I because I would say my entire life I've been a pessimist. Um, I've been reading like uh, positive thinking self-help books because it's so contrary to how I normally think about the world and so contrary to the type of stuff I would have taken seriously as a younger man. And I'm trying to apply positive thinking. I'm trying to get up in the morning and say affirmations and try to feel my way into a positive mood and try to stay there and hold it for the day, right? And I'm having very mixed results because it's very, like I said, it's very contrary to my personality. So... Uh, if I'm going to be a, a very self-indulgent American individualist, um, I'm going to say that the thing I'm most optimistic about is, uh, myself becoming an optimist.
0: That was great. Um, Max, where can people find you? Where can people read you?
1: Uh, I feel like everyone listening to this already knows I do Schizotopia. I'm schizotopia.pod on Instagram. Anyone who doesn't know me, please go listen to the podcast. Um, but more importantly, please sign up for my new Substack, uh, Neo Yeoman. That's what I'm going to be focusing a lot of my energy on. You know what? That's the thing I'm most optimistic about. That's where I'm going to be pouring my my newfound positive thinking into is, is Neo Yeoman, um, and that that is on Substack.